0: Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. And Thank you. Now, it is a custom that when someone is a Christian, this is back in the day, they would walk around the streets and they would say, he is risen, and which if that person that he said that to was also a follower of Jesus Christ, they would reply back, he has risen indeed. So we are going to try it this morning. Are you ready? He has risen Okay, well, that, that was way off, way, not even close to being good. Y'all could do so much better. I'm going to say he has risen, and you are going to say he has risen indeed. Are you ready? He has risen. He has risen indeed. That's right. He has risen. He has risen indeed. All right. Now, anytime. Later on, whenever I say that, I am expecting a response back. It is a participation service this morning, because after all, he has risen. Uh, This morning, that's what I'm talking about. Y'all are quick, catching on. It is awesome. Um, This morning, I want to tell you a story, a story that is... As we'll find out more than just any old story. It's a story recorded in the book of Luke, chapter 24. And the day starts out like this. It is the very first Resurrection Sunday. And it is early, early in the morning. And some women go to the gravesite of Jesus. And they go there looking and they've prepared all of these spices. They've prepared these spices because they're expecting a body in the grave. They're expecting it's been three days now, and we need to prepare and have these spices. But they go there, and lo and behold, the tombstone has been rolled back, and the tomb is empty. He has risen. He has risen. Oh, so they get there, and they look for that, but... They're not excited like we are excited. They're thinking to ourselves, man, something has had to have happened. When all of a sudden, there are these two men there. And we later find out that these are angels. And he speaks to them, and the angel says this, Why do you look for the living among the dead? And to which, hmm. And they're standing there, and they're, they're listening. And they want to believe, but they don't know what to think. And so they're looking, and the tomb is empty. They have these spices. They have prepared to see a body. This angel has come down and told them, what are you doing looking for the living among the dead? And so they run back, they run back and they tell the disciples everything that they saw. They say, listen, this is what happened. We went there and there was, there was no, no body in the tomb, everything. Remember what Jesus had told us that he would be crucified and he would rise again on the third day. And when the disciples had heard all that the women were telling him, it says this in the Bible. And their words were like idle tales. This is first Resurrection Sunday, remember, and their words were like idle tales. It was just a good story. They wanted to believe, but they couldn't believe. And so two of the disciples, we are told, they go. And in one account it says Peter, but in another account we say it's Peter and John. And they run to the tomb, and it is just like it has been described to them. The tomb is empty, the, the gravestone has been rolled back, and there is a linen cloth just laying there. And they're looking. And at this point, you would think, man, everything should line up. Everything that Jesus has told them about resurrection has come to pass. It's true. But what the Bible says is that they looked there and they marveled. They just marveled at the sight. And so a little bit more time goes by. And we're told that later on in that day that two of these disciples are walking to a village called Emmaus. And they're walking this road, and they're talking, and they're discussi- discussing all of the events that have happened this last few days. When all of a sudden, in the midst of their conversation, Jesus shows up. And at this point is when you would think they would say, he has risen. <laughs> but that is not what happened. It says that their eyes were blinded, and the very one that they were talking about, now they couldn't even recognize them. So they're sitting, I mean, they're walking, and they're talking, and Jesus walks up beside them and says, What are you guys talking about? Why is it that you look so sad? And to which they look at him, and they reply, Are you just getting to town? Have you not heard about all of the things that have happened this week? Have you not heard about Jesus and his crucifixion? This is why we are sad. And so they begin to walk and talk and discuss everything that had happened. And they're telling Jesus what had happened to him. All the time, not recognizing the very one that they're sad about is right there with them. Kind of amazing. So this morning, what I'd like to talk to you about is three reactions that we have to resurrection. Three reactions that the disciples had to that first resurrection Sunday morning. And the first reaction that they had when they were told everything that was going to happen is this. And it was like an idle tale. It was kind of like a fairy tale. They wanted to believe, but come on. After all, it's the third day. Who rises from the dead on the third day? Um, have you ever heard of someone called J.R. Tolkien? He is famous right now. If You might know him from the uh, Lord of the Rings books, um, The Hobbit. all these. Well, a little bit of background on him. He uh, went to school over in Oxford, and he was good friends with guys like C.S. Lewis and some of these really well-known writers. And they had a club which they called the Inklings, which was kind of cool because they inked stuff. And they were Inklings, and oh, I was just kind of cool. Really, really nerdy cheesy, but, you know, still I think it's cool because I'm a nerd. So they had this group called the Inklings, and they would get together, and they would share stories about just writing and the art of literature and how to, how to write and different things. And, and one day, a reporter came and wanted to interview the group and said, you know, what is it that y'all guys do here? What are y'all talking about writing? And they, they started with Mr. Tolkien, and... He began to tell them different things. He's like, well, there's all different types of writing. There's the comedy. There's drama. There's suspense. There's romance. There's all different types of writing. But my favorite, my favorite type of writing beyond all the others is the fairy tale. He says, I love the fairy tale. And see, the the very structure of a fairy tale story is this, that there is some kind of tragedy. There is some kind of hopelessness or disaster or something has gone wrong. He said, there's always a tragedy and there's always insurmountable odds for that tragedy to be averted. He said, but then at the end, there's always a happily ever after. These are three elements to every fairy tale. He says, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Snow White. You know, there's a, there's a curse on the land and there's a tragedy. Snow White is up in the castle and she has a piece of apple lodged in her throat and she's laying there and she's lifeless and she's dead and there's there's only one way there's only one hope for snow white and that's that the prince would climb the tower he would go through all these treacheries he would go through all of the uh, things that would try to stop them from going up the tower he would get up there he would find snow white and she would be laying there even looking as if she were dead but then this prince would have to give her a kiss and this kiss would be so magical that it would dislodge it from her throat. And then she would get up and there would be a happily ever after. Said, or, or or even better one is the, the, the prince and the frog. This prin- you know, there's a curse. The prince has been turned into a frog. There's a tragedy. Something has happened. And, and, and for this tragedy to be averted, there's only one way to change the things, and the thing is, it's so hopeless, it's so almost not even worth mentioning what it would take for this guy to be changed back into a prince, and that's this, that the princess would have to come, and the princess would have to see this frog, and she would have to see him, and not not just find him, but also take and give a kiss to this frog, and then he would be turned back into the prince, and it would be happily ever after the odds of that are just so crazy and he says the thing is this in this interview he is and then if you begin to look at the bible if you begin to look at the bible the bible from a purely literary point of view is a fairy tale it's the ultimate fairy tale he says there's been a great tragedy there has been a sin that has taken over the land and the remote possibility of this sin being wiped away, of this this disconnection from God, is so far remote, so far even, there's only one way, it's almost not even worth mentioning. And that's this. That the very God that we sinned against would come down from heaven and into humanity. And that he would die for us. And that this is, this is just so far beyond. He said, But then there's a happily ever after. And he says, here's the wonderful thing about the gospel message. It's the fairy tale that's true. It's the ultimate fairy tale that is true. There was a great tragedy. And there was only one possible way that we could escape this. And there will be a happily ever after. It's a great story. And so the disciples are there. And it's the first resurrection story resurrection Sunday. Christ is—he's told them time and time and again what would happen. And they arrive to the tomb. The women have come back. The women have told them, listen, it's just like Jesus said. We were there. The tomb is empty. Everything's been rolled away. Why are we looking for the living among the dead? But they get there and it was just like a fairy tale. There's no way that this has happened. And so they stand there. It was just like an idle tale. And they run. And they go back. And now they're looking at the tomb. They're standing there. And now First, it was an idle tale, and now they marveled. They marveled at the sight of this empty tomb. Now, if you look up marvel, you'll, look, you'll see all kinds of definitions for it. There's uh, wonder. There's this sense of awe, the sense of just amazement. But also with this wonder, uh, has this um, feeling of also doubt, too, that comes along with wonder. There's, it's, it's like, man, this is awesome, but I'm just not sure. It's kind of like... Whenever you were a kid and you went to see the magic show, and the guy pulled the rabbit out of his hat, and how did he do that? And you wonder, but there's still, there's somehow, there's there's that part of us that knows that it's some kind of a trick. And this is how it was with the disciples. They're standing there, and the tomb is empty, and they're in awe, and they're wondering, and they're amazed. But yet, there's something inside of them that's saying, there has to be an answer to this. There has to be some kind of logical explanation for the resurrection story. There has Somebody maybe have, has stolen the body, or maybe this has happened, or, or, or are we at the right tomb? Or, there has to be some kind of thing or some kind of way to describe what is happening, because after all, people don't rise on the third day. Once you're gone, you're gone. And so the story continues. They've thought of it as an idle tale. They've thought of it as just another sense of just marvel. And then they're walking this road, and they're talking to Jesus, and these words come up, and they say this. And who is this one that you're talking about? We had hoped that he was our Savior. Talking to Jesus now. We had hoped that he was our Savior. Hope has been crushed. They find themselves Resurrection Sunday morning, and their hope is all gone. They had hoped that he was the one. When hope dies, we see things through a lens, not as they are, but through a lens of despair and through a lens of grief and a lens of tragedy, so much so that when Jesus is right there beside them, they don't even recognize him. How often is this true in our own lives? Whenever it seems like hope has been crushed, when everything even points time and time again to God's provision for us and God taking care of us, it's just like, man, all we could see is the hopelessness. All we could see and all we could feel is the pain. There's a story of this violin maker, and he was... uh, at the beginning of his career, not very well known. And he would go out early in the morning. He was dedicated his entire life to learning his craft, to learning how to make the best violins that he could make. And he would go out and he would chop down the trees and he would get the wood and he would age it and he would carve these beautiful violins and and they they would sound good, but they didn't sound perfect. And so... He's going about his, his days and he's making these violins and he's trying to learn how to become better and better. And so one day there is an awful storm and it wipes out the forest around him and all the trees are just destroyed. They're not, they're not good for making violins anymore. He doesn't know what to do. And so he begins to venture out. He begins to venture out and look for, these viol- look for the perfect tree that he could find to make these violins. And so he's out and he's looking and everything is just destroyed when all of a sudden he goes to the backside of this mountain. He goes to the area farther than he's ever gone before and no one ever really goes there because after all the sun really doesn't shine on that side of the mountain and it gets really, really cold on that side of the mountain and it's just kind of a gloomy place, but he goes there, and he finds these trees, and he cuts down these trees, and he does all the work to get them back to his house, and he begins to shape and to make these violins, and now all of a sudden, there's something in these violins that were different than any other violin that he had ever made before. This is different. Now, all of a sudden, people are seeking them out, and people are like, man, what makes these violins sound so good? You see, in this story... He had lost hope. The storm had made everything felt like it was just hopeless. And sometimes, I think, in life, we feel like we're on that backside of the mountain. We feel like everything has kind of taken its toll and come against us, and there's just kind of thing after thing to tell us that, man, it's just hopeless. But then, whenever God takes something from the back side of the mountain, there's a beauty inside of it. There's a sound that can now come from those violins that the other violins never could sound like. There's something when we've gone through the pain, when we've gone through the hopelessness, when we've gone through these things in life, and now we find a new sound. Now we find a new beauty. See, the thing is, maybe you came to church this morning and you've heard the resurrection story all of your life. You've heard it time and time again. And there's a part of you that wants to believe, but there's another part that's just like, man, it's just a really good story. It kind of seems like the resurrection story is just like a fairy tale. Or maybe it's just something to marvel at. And so you're still trying to wrap your head around it, and you're trying to figure out how the magician does his tricks, how that the tomb could be empty, what had happened. Or maybe you're walking, and it just seems like it's hopeless. Now, here's what's interesting about this. This is the first Resurrection Sunday. And the first Resurrection Sunday is filled with doubt, and it's filled with fear, and it's filled with worry, and it's filled with unbelief. And this is not by the unbeliever. This is not by the stranger. This is not by the person that's way out there and has no idea who Jesus is. This is by the disciples, the very ones that had known and walked with Jesus for the last three years. And their reaction to the angel's proclamation is that it's just another idle tale. It's just another good story. It's something for us to marvel at but there has to be some kind of trick. And so we kind of go through our life with this sense of hopelessness. The sense of, man, I just wonder. I want to believe. I find myself running to the tomb, but yet something is holding me back. Something is holding back my belief in Jesus Christ. Do you, is there anyone in here, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but knows what I'm talking about? Maybe you've heard it time and time again. You've heard the story of this man who died on the cross, that God would come down and take on all of the sins of the world and make a way that you could enter into a right relationship with God and that at the end that there would be a happily ever after but maybe you feel like it's a fairy tale and you want to believe. See, the thing is, I think there's been moments in your life when Jesus has been walking right beside you and we didn't even recognize it. I know that's the case with me. There's been things where I've gone through and didn't even recognize what was right there, right beside me, right in front of me. And I'm walking and I'm sad and I'm wondering, and Jesus is saying, what are you doing? How often am I just like them saying, well, why are you looking for the living among the dead? How often do I have these expectations and yet I miss what's kind of right in front of me? It's kind of like when you're looking for your glasses and they're on your head. And you're just, Where are the glasses at? Where are they? Where are they? Ding. Where are the keys in your, in your pocket? You're like searching the house. You've torn everything apart. And sometimes that's how Jesus is. We're searching for this thing and he's right there. Saying, do you guys not see? But we're blinded. We're blinded by our sadness. Blinded by these present circumstances. And the reality is on that first resurrection Sunday, when the announcement was made, he has risen. That didn't happen. The fact is, it was silent. The fact is, it was sadness. And the reality is, there's is many of us that live in the sadness. Sadness. There's many of us that live in that point in between he has risen, and he has risen indeed, and we're waiting. We're waiting to see our Lord. See, because the disciples go on to say, listen, we we were there, and we saw the empty tomb. There's been all of these confirmations, everything that everyone has told us about our Savior rising. Everything has been true, but yet when we were there, we did not see him. We didn't see him. And so they walked, and they get to this village, and they begin to talk together and then there's this moment where Jesus grabs some bread and he begins to break the bread and when he does it says their eyes were open and just like oh wait a minute that that's that's it That, that that's what we've been waiting for that's that's the Jesus that we we know and then bam he was gone all of a sudden their eyes were open To God, the one, the very one that they were looking for. And He was there the whole time. If you would, with me, just close your eyes for a second. And before we had this service, I wanted, I've been praying all week that this Easter Sunday morning wouldn't be one filled with um, a good, job by the preacher or even good music or any of that, but i prayed that during this time that God would begin to pull on someone's heart. Paul says that I desired to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I didn't come with fancy words or any of that. And my prayer was that for someone in here, that this morning, that God would remind them of something familiar. That you came to church this morning and you've heard the story time and time again, but it just feels like a fairy tale. We've heard the preacher say he has risen, and we respond back sometimes with the words, but in our hearts, We're still waiting for the magic trick to be revealed. See, the wonder hasn't drawn us closer. The wonder sometimes draws us away. And so this morning, my prayer is, Lord, you move. You move in the hearts of your people. That now, God, you would go beyond just one Sunday morning service and you would reveal yourself to us reveal yourself to me God God I want to believe I want to believe and I've, I've prayed it before and I've, I've given you my heart before but Lord, it's got to be honest I feel like there's something holding me back there's a part of me that just says it is just another great story there's another story where a man cries out to Jesus and he says Lord I believe help my unbelief God's not afraid of your unbelief. Just tell him what's in your heart right now. Just between you and God. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I want to believe. I want it to be more than just a good story. I want it to be more than something I just marvel at. I want something more than just a good show. I don't want to go through the motions or just kind of have this title of Christian or God. I want to know you. That whenever I hear the words, He is risen. I could shout back with everything in me, He has risen indeed. So, God, move on our hearts. Do what only you can do. Still, with every eye closed, is there anyone in here this morning? Just even in these short few minutes that I've spoken, I say, you know, Lucas, I could. I could relate to those disciples on that day. I could relate to the disciples that it kind of feels like it's too good to be true. Or I've tried before and there's a part of me that just wants to marvel at it. There's a part of me that it just it kind of seems hopeless. But I want to believe. If that's you, will you just kind of slip your hand up in the air for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. that raised their hands this morning that your Holy Spirit would fall on them that your resurrection power would fill their hearts and minds that it would go beyond a simple prayer of salvation but that they would see fill their hearts right now Lord beyond good words beyond a good service beyond a good story do what only you can do Lord so the disciples were walking right beside Jesus, and they're going through all of these emotions, but they didn't recognize him until he broke the bread, and so this morning, we're going to get ready to take communion, so I'm going to ask the guys to go ahead and get ready for that, and what we're going to do is, if this kind of side of the room wants to come and get here, there'll be someone with... uh, bread and juice, you'll just take a piece of the bread, dip it into the juice, and then make your way back to your seats, and then we will all take communion together with the hope that when we do this, we do it in remembrance of him, but also that our eyes would be open and that God would be revealed to us even more this day. Amen. So if you guys would go ahead, grab your communion, and then head back to your seats, and we will all take it together. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. to